0: Welcome to the BSN Nuggets podcast presented by InWeGo, Denver's best subscription that allows you to go to as many events as you can for only $39 a month with no additional costs or fees. You heard that right, no additional fees. Literally hundreds of events with InWeGo for only $39 a month. For instance, some of the events you could have attended over the past couple weeks include Avs vs. Stars, Rockies vs. Phillies, CU vs. UCLA, you could have gone to the Denver Fall Whiskey Festival, the Westward Feast, or the Big Wonderful Beer Fest. But we're talking concerts, beer tastings, food fests, comedy shows, 5Ks, anything else that you can imagine. If it's going down in Denver, there's a good chance that Inwego can get you in. So here's where it gets good for BSN listeners. We've partnered with In we go to give you guys a great deal. So if you go to InWeGo.com backslash BSN or download the app for free and use promo code BSN50, you're going to get 50% off your first month. That's right. All events in Denver for only 20 bucks during your first month. Try it and fall in love with it like all of us did. So again, InWeGo.com backslash BSN or download the app for free and use promo code BSN50. And with that, welcome into a Wednesday edition of the BSN Nuggets podcast presented by InWeGo, the subscription that can get you into almost any event in Denver Harrison Wind back from an eight day road trip San Diego to LA and back uh, in Denver with Christian Clark. What we're gonna do on today's show is just go over some pretty broad takeaways from the Nuggets first two preseason games. I recapped Sunday's game on Monday's show from San Diego. If you missed that, be sure to check that out on BSN Denver, on iTunes, on Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast normally. But curious to get Christian's take, and then we'll also discuss what we saw Tuesday night when the Nuggets and the Lakers matched up again, this time from Staples Center. But I think the first thing we want to start off with was Nikola Jokic. And while some guys have been a little inconsistent in these first couple games, Nuggets fans can probably breathe a sigh of relief knowing that Nikola Jokic is back. He didn't forget how to play basketball over the summer. He's still the same all-star, all-NBA talent that he was last season.
1: Well, first of all, Harrison, it's good to have you back here in the great state of Colorado. A lot changed while you were gone. The weather went from hot to cold. I grew a beard and shaved the entire thing off, and I look like the same guy you saw when you left eight days ago. I found a new apartment to live in. I'll be there in two months um, after some great time here next to Cheeseman Park. Two things that did not change while you were gone. Jimmy Butler is somehow and probably still a Minnesota Timberwolf. And Nikola Jokic is still really freaking good at basketball. Let's talk
0: about Jimmy Butler. I, maybe I jumped the shark going into what Nikola Jokic did these first couple preseason games. Let's touch on Jimmy Butler. I know we dedicated possibly three shows to him this <laughs> offseason. Uh, just scraping the floor for NBA content during this summer. We definitely got all our takes off about Jimmy Butler. But this thing needs to end. I think I speak for the rest of the basketball community, the rest of the basketball beat writers out there. This Jimmy Butler saga needs to end. I'm over the woge bombs about how Minnesota and Miami had a deal. They still have a deal. Minnesota wants more from Miami. Miami wants more from Minnesota. I'm tired of hearing about it. I want this trade resolved. I want to move on. I want to move on to the regular season. I don't know if we can do that if we still have this Jimmy Butler cloud hanging over us. You know who doesn't want to move on? Tom Thibodeau.
1: It seems like he's just holding, like, scratching and clawing to somehow keep M- Jimmy Butler still on the team. And I don't know, man. I thought there was 0% chance that Jimmy Butler started the season with the Timberwolves. And the longer this has gone on, oh, maybe I'm up to, like, there's a 5% chance he's just with the Timberwolves for game number
0: one. Do you think there's a chance he plays a minute in a Timberwolves jersey this season? Yeah, definitely. Okay. I I can't believe it's gone on this long. And
1: I mean, this is just me from the couch, my take on it. But I honestly feel like Thibodeau and Jimmy Butler could smooth it over. I'm just curious how Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins
0: would react. Would would they accept that? Right. We were talking about this before we started recording. What if there's some Woj bomb that comes out Wednesday night or Thursday here? That's like Tom Thibodeau has regained control of the t- Timberwolves front office. He's smoothed things over with Jimmy Butler. In a 23rd hour move, he's pivoted to putting Carl Anthony Towns on the trade block. Like, what would happen <laughs> if if something like that unfolded here over the next 24 hours? Like, I don't think that's happening. I would disagree, actually. I don't see think Jimmy Butler's playing a minute in a Timberwolves jersey this season. I couldn't see it. And the reason why is because we, we've seen stuff like this happen before, whether it's with San Antonio and Kawhi Leonard demanding a trade and Kyrie Irving and him demanding a trade from Cleveland. The star player always wins out. The front office can hold out for as long as they want. They can threaten him and say, yeah, we're going to fine you for not showing up. We're going to push your free agency back a year. You know, If you don't show up in a crew days of service... The star player always wins out though. He's got enough leverage here where he can still force Minnesota's hand. So, I'd be absolutely stunned if he wore Timberwolves jersey again and it may seem like this thing is just churning and churning and churning and we're not getting any further here. We're not making any progress on a deal, but in these situations, if you're an all-NBA player, if you're an All-Star level player, you went out in the end. Players control this league, and he'll be out of Minnesota, sure enough. And if I see these tweets coming across the timeline, and if I'm a Toronto, if I'm a Portland, if I'm a team who maybe has placed a call to the Timberwolves and not heard back because they've been engaged with uh, Miami, maybe I place another call and say, hey, let's just get this thing done right away. Yeah, just
1: make the freaking trade with Miami. Just do Jimmy Butler for Josh Richardson and Justice Winslow and be done with it. Wrap it up, please I think God. that
0: might be the problem, though. I'm not sure if Miami wants to give up Josh Richardson. If I had to speculate on what's holding up this deal, maybe it's Miami not wanting to give up Richardson. Like Maybe Goran Dragic is on the table, take Goran. You know, he's got a couple really quality years left, but he's obviously not going to be here for the next great Miami Heat team. Take uh, Justice Winslow, who maybe you can have him in Minnesota as like a second draft type guy. Take Kelly Olinick, Take him, take him, take him. If you we could get Hassan Whiteside off our hands, God, we'd sign off on this deal yesterday. But maybe Josh Richardson's holding it up. That's the only thing I can think of that would be stalling something like this.
1: Yeah, I mean, they just got waxed in the first round of the playoffs. You might want to try something different. But... Well,
0: yeah, Miami's stuck, too. That's the other thing. Like, they're capped out. They signed us on Whiteside to that god-awful contract. They're they're probably not going to be players in free agency next summer anyways unless they they have a lot of stuff move around. They should should probably give Minnesota just what they want uh, for Jimmy Butler. But, hey, they know that the Timberwolves have no leverage here. They know that Jimmy Butler is not going to play a game for them this season. So, yeah, why not hold out for as long as you can? All right, all right. Enough Jimmy Butler talk. Let's
1: talk about our boy, Nikola Jokic. You know, this looked like Jokic didn't miss a beat from the end of last season, really. Um, You know, he was a little bit sloppy in some ways. He committed six turnovers that first game, but the Nuggets were humming on offense. It was beautiful to see them just pick that up from almost the very first possession of the game. They racked up 66 first-half points on the Lakers. The Lakers tried to throw Kyle Kuzma at Jokic in some small ball lineups, and Jokic just punked him. I think he went to the free throw line eight or ten times in the first quarter alone, or maybe that was a little bit much, but a bunch in the first quarter. The Nuggets offense looked awesome in that first game. You know, Really, exactly what we've both been saying for weeks, kind of the version of the offense that we
0: think we're going to see pretty early on in the season. Yeah, Jokic was great. Uh, Only three of eight from the field in that first game. But yeah, like you said, finished eight of eight from the line, 14 points in just 21 minutes. That might have been the most impressive part of that first Nuggets game on Sunday. How they had been talking about practice all week and really more specifically in shoot around Sunday morning. That, hey, we're not worried about what the Lakers are doing. We're not worried about what small ball lines they're going to throw out there. We're not really scouting them or putting in much of a game plan according to how the Lakers are going to play at least that's what they said publicly and they were just worried about themselves just worried about what they were going to do how they were going to execute on both ends of the floor and sure enough when the Lakers went to some of those small ball looks to like you say Kyle Kuzma at the five Michael Beasley at the five looks that could probably throw some teams off from time to time the Nuggets settled down they saw Kyle Kuzma on Jokic's backside they got the ball to Jokic in the post boom foul uh, same thing when Beasley was on the floor that they, they made it a point to get to yoke at your fine mismatches so that was really encouraging that might have been the most encouraging part of that first game on Sunday was just how Denver looked really calm on offense they looked like they knew what they were doing and that was without Gary Harris well
1: I don't know I think all of that was second most encouraging to Mason Plumley going five for five from the free throw mm. line mm. Uh, at he, I actually looked it up. His best game at the free throw line <laughs> last year was four for six. Wow. He, during, during his first preseason game, first preseason game of the 2018-19 season, better performance at the line than all of 2017-18.
0: And he goes 5-5 five of five from the line on Sunday, hits his first free throw on Tuesday, goes a quick one-for-one, one, proceeds to miss his next three. Hey, <laughs> what is that? Still like 60%? Yeah, so now he's six of nine for the nice. uh, preseason that, that's great nuggets will take that all day baby i mean <laughs> last year he was under 40 percent. yeah so that was encouraging mark price already paying dividends on this uh nuggets coaching staff going back to what we were saying about Jokic dominating the lakers bigs i know it's just preseason and i shouldn't take too much from any of these games or overreact to either the nuggets or the lakers but man the lakers need a center <laughs> The Lakers really need to go out and get a big. I like the innovative approach of just saying, yeah, you know, we're just not going to play with a center. We're going to play LeBron at the five some. We're going to play Michael Beasley at the five. We're going to play Kyle Kuzma at the five. We've got JaVale McGee who logged 20 minutes in that first game and then uh, comes back and logs 20 more. So, you know, he's in for probably the most minutes he's ever played in the season, possibly this year. Is it for a career high in minutes, maybe? Uh, But the Lakers need another big man. I don't know how well that experiment's going to work throughout an 82-game regular season, just playing small, against the Western Conference, where you have Nikola Jokic, Carl Towns, Anthony Davis, Clint Capella. Uh, I mean, should I go on here? Yusef Nurkic, there's a lot of really quality big men in the Western Conference among playoff teams and some non-playoff teams too. And if I'm the Lakers, I don't want to play that small ball unit for like an 82 game regular season. I don't know like how good of a formula that is for winning basketball. I, I just don't understand how JaVale McGee is the guy
1: you're trotting out, you know, on the, on the starting lineup with LeBron James in his first season in L.A., right, that's the best you can do. I mean, JaVale McGee is not used to playing 30
0: minutes a night, man. Well, like, he can't because he has asthma. He he literally can't play 30 minutes a night <laughs> because he has asthma. That, that's like a thing <laughs> yeah. that was reported on in Golden State I, last year. I shouldn't laugh. I'm sorry. The last time he, he averaged more than 25 minutes a game
1: was the 2011-12 season. Right, was that like, in Denver? Uh, <laughs> uh, he spent part of the year here. It was Washington and and then Denver. That uh, <laughs> yeah, was
0: after the Nuggets signed him to that huge contract. Javale
1: played nine and a half minutes per game last year. Nine nine point six minutes per game the year before that. I mean, he's a guy who's you know hovered between ten and fifteen minutes a game for the last five years or so. Like
0: asking him to go out there for twenty five or thirty minutes a night. That's not a viable strategy. Dude, that game on Sunday, more so than the game on Tuesday, but really both these matchups, it looks like Randy Moss out there. They were just like throwing b- the ball from uh, their end of the court's foul line, like just lobbing it up to McGee in the paint. And he was just <laughs> going up, catching it, and then just like trying to finish over the Nuggets. And he-, he did a really good job of that in that first game when he just, you know, trotted out a casual 17 points on eight shots in a twenty minutes, but it's like Randy Moss out there. Like LeBron, Rondo, they were just throwing it up to him and he was coming down with it in the paint.
1: Yeah, JaVale has got to be feeling great about life right now. I yeah. mean, he just won two straight championships. He just signed up to play with LeBron. He was celebrating so hard. I mean, the only guy who was celebrating harder than JaVale McGee in that game was Lance Stevenson, who is oh just God. like he was turned up to a 12 for a preseason game
0: again I don't want to overreact to preseason but man I wasn't feeling this Lakers roster before the game started especially not feeling it now and the funniest part about Lance Stevenson coming off this Lakers bench he played in both preseason games like through the fourth quarter like most regulars were done in the third and at the end In the fourth quarter, you know, Thomas Welsh gets in there. Tyler Lydon gets in there. Donald Sloan, of course. Um, Lance Stevenson played consistent minutes in all four quarters, both games. So I I don't know what that says about the Lakers and their rotation, other than they're not very deep. Lance was somehow a minus 28 in 20 minutes on the
1: floor in that first game. I mean, here's the thing with the Lakers. They're going to have to go out and get a center because you can't just ask Kuzma and LeBron to play 25 minutes a night at center combined. They're going to have to go out and get a center. And then they're just going to have to bury Lance on the bench. I mean, I think Rondo is still a winning player for you. I think you want him in the rotation all year for sure. But you're going to have to bury Lance. You might even have to bury Michael Beasley. I mean, I just I just can't believe those are the guys they're, they're putting around LeBron this year. I, I think a lot of those veterans just, you know, halfway through the year just aren't going to be in the Lakers rotation, you know?
0: Right. It's like... Is the Lakers' starting center for their p- opening playoff game this year on their roster right now? No, they're, I think they're going to make a move. For who? Is, is are they going to get somebody who's like Mason Plumley? <laughs> did they place a call to the Nuggets for Mason Plumley after he goes out there and puts, uh, like goes eleven of eleven from the field and puts um twenty three points on them? That was a joke, people, just <laughs> just to be clear. Uh, Plum Duck
1: Millionaire did have two really nice games, by the way. But, yeah, th- I think the Lakers roster is going to look a lot different by-, by the end of the year. And a lot of those veterans are just going to be buried. Um, but, oh, man, Le- LeBron has got to be thinking, like, whew, oh, these young
0: guys, <laughs> I hope they step up. Yeah, this Lakers roster is something. I still think they make the playoffs. Look, LeBron James isn't missing the playoffs. I think the league would have some type of intervention with the 29 other teams if the oh, Lakers they looked would. like they were going to miss the playoffs.
1: Dude, I mean, I know you couldn't pick this up because you're actually in the arena watching the game. Like, you wouldn't even know the Nuggets were playing the Lakers. Oh, I
0: picked it up because I was watching on Twitter. Oh, man. there <laughs> the was outrage like, on Nuggets
1: fans. Three mentions of the Nuggets the entire night. And it was really funny because I, was, I recorded the game and I was trying to go back and just get clip of Mason Plumlee shooting free throws because I thought when I was watching live like okay his free throw form looks a little bit better there's a little bit less of a hitch and I wanted to grab the get a screen grab and then go back and compare it I couldn't get a decent video of Mason Plumlee shooting a free throw cuz every time the Nuggets got fouled they would they would pan to the Lakers bench oh, and then just talk about LeBron and oh it's a great place to learn from Magic Johnson he's a really good businessman and LeBron's a really good
0: businessman too Harrison Is that your Mark Jones voice or is that your uh I don't know who was doing the play-by-play on TNT last night. That's just my general TV (laughs)
1: newsman voice.
0: Yes, I heard on Twitter how the Nuggets did not get any play from the uh, national broadcast crew. And this might be a really bad take considering this is a Nuggets podcast. I'm not very surprised and I don't know how disappointed I am. I mean, when the best player of all time moves teams to the most storied franchise of all time in the first game where he's ever in that uniform, you kind of got to expect that that's what everybody's going to be focusing on, not the Denver Nuggets who haven't made the playoffs in five years.
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, I, I get it. I get it. It's understandable. I mean, they're not... I, I, I can totally understand why they wanted to talk about LeBron being in L.A. instead of Mason Plummy's improved free throw form.
0: <laughs> it looked improved, though. It did, man. Less of a hitch. Let's go ahead and take a break real quick. A lot more to get to especially from Tuesday night, but also from Sunday night too. We'll be right back here on the BSN Nuggets podcast.
2: Hey BSN fans, your favorite Colorado sports network has partnered with your favorite Colorado beer and we're giving them away for free. But in true BSN fashion, we're not letting you go to some major chain for it. We want you to go to your local neighborhood bar and support a real Colorado business. That's why we've created the bar page where any BSN subscriber can go in and get a free beer Welcome back to the
0: BSN Nuggets podcast presented by In We Go, Harrison Wind, alongside Christian Clark. I'm ready to get this takeoff about preseason before we jump back into the specifics here. And this might seem like you know a, a little bit of a high-class NBA take, a little bit of a spoiled NBA beat writers take. Everybody's so excited about preseason basketball being back. I'm over the preseason. I'm done. What I saw Tuesday night at Staples Center really put a bad taste in my mouth, Christian. I'm done with preseason. The only time I'm interested in watching any more preseason action is if the Nuggets starters take the floor. That's the only thing I want to see over these remaining three games of Nuggets basketball. I need to see the starters out there. We haven't seen Gary Harris. We saw Jamal Murray for one game, and he looked amazing, but we just haven't seen that five-man starting group that we know is going to be incredible on the offensive end. It's really the only other thing I need to see this preseason, if we're being honest. Yeah, man, it's a little disappointing. I mean, obviously
1: you want to take precautionary measures in the preseason. Michael Malone is totally doing the right thing by, you know, sitting Gary Harris because these games mean nothing. But from just a basketball fan's perspective, it does stink because we only saw the Murray-Harris-Barton-Milsap-Jokic five for 65 minutes together last season, and they were spectacular in that limited amount of time. There were fireworks when they shared the floor together, and we've been chomping at the bit to, to see them on the floor at the same time during this preseason. Um, so hopefully we, we get a chance to do that Friday when, when they play the Perth Wildcats at home. Um, How many people are going to be in the house for that game? Oh, I was watching the Bucks preseason game tonight, and it looked pretty darn empty in there. I don't know.
0: I don't know. The environment in San Diego for LeBron's first game was definitely something I'll never forget. You could probably close your eyes and just point on the map to any stadium in the U.S., and that would have been a more logical place for LeBron to make his preseason debut than at Valley View Casino Center in San Diego, capacity around 15,000, 16,000, old, cramped, moist, wet, dark. It, it was a odd place for the best player of all time, like I said, to make his debut with the most storied franchise of all time. Not how I drew it up in my mind, but definitely an environment that I'll never forget. And then, of course, Tuesday night at Staples Center, late arriving crowd, but they were loud, of course.
1: Yeah, I believe Nick Kosmider, who writes for the Athletic, uh, mentioned that there was a Chili's about 50 feet away from the arena um, down in San Diego. So that was great. It was right next to SeaWorld. <laughs> wow, that's that's pretty incredible. Um, so we we didn't get to see all of the complete Nuggets starting group. Um, we did get to see a lot of the Nuggets reserves, and you know that was something that you wrote about after the first game and in my mind, it was one of the biggest takeaways as well. Nuggets had a killer bench that first game. Wancho mm-hmm. um, Hernan Gomez was the team's leading scorer. Preseason game number one, he scored 19 points, 6 for 11 from the floor, drilled five threes. We saw that silky stroke that he, he used during his rookie year to kind of burst, break his way into the rotation a little bit. The Nuggets went big as well. We saw a front line of Wancho Lyles, and Mason Plumley out on the court It was pretty interesting to see.
0: It was, and that game from Wancho on Sunday, the 19-point game on 6-11 shooting, 5-8 from from three, that was the story of the night. I thought a guy who we've had a lot of questions about throughout this preseason and uh, throughout the summer, don't quite know how he's going to factor into the rotation this coming year. seems to still be on the outside looking in, but on Sunday, he definitely made a statement saying, hey... Maybe I deserve minutes. If I can get open shots and knock down five of eight of them, I definitely deserve minutes. But then on Tuesday, 26 minutes, 0-2 from shooting, 0-2 from three, did not score. Was still a plus eight, but I barely noticed him out there on Tuesday. So he played great Sunday. Wasn't much of a factor in the Nuggets' second game. And when you kind of look at the rest of the bench, you Malik Beasley's had a couple solid games. Four of eight shooting from the field. He was a perfect four. Four from three in that first game. Then he comes back and hits three more threes, 15 points off the bench in 26 minutes. So he's he scored consistently. Trey Lyles has scored. He's been a bit of a playmaker. He's dished out some pretty impressive assists, I've thought. And Mason Plumley's put together two really solid games. So there's been some good moments from the bench.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I don't, I don't think we know anything about, you know who's going to play more between Wancho or Malik this year? That's one battle we're going to be watching. I mean, we just don't have enough data yet. It's it's way too early to tell, but both guys, I mean, they had pretty decent starts just these first two games. And for Malik, I mean, if he's got, you know, a three-point shot that's going to go in in the high 30s or something like that, he could he could play some consistent minutes this right. year because I think he already kind of brings it on the defensive end. I mean, if, if you're ranking the Nuggets best perimeter defenders, I think you'd probably go Tory Craig and Gary Harris, one or two in some order. And then Malik Beasley is the third guy behind him. I mean, he's a competent perimeter defender, and the Nuggets just don't have a lot of those. So
0: if he can hit the three like we saw those first two games, then Malik Beasley can be out there, man. Yeah, I definitely go Gary Harris above Tory Craig when it comes to perimeter defense. And we've done this a lot this summer. We've done this exercise often power ranking Wancho, Malik, and Torrey Craig in terms of how many minutes they're going to get. Nothing's changed for me on that front. I'd still say Torrey Craig is obviously locked into the most minutes out of those guys. He's who the Nuggets have chose to start in place of Gary Harris here, moving Will Barton over the two and sliding him into the starting lineup without Harris. And then I'd still go Malik as a guy who's more likely to get minutes this season on a regular basis than Wancho. Wancho, he's probably... I, I mean... The way Malik shot the ball this preseason, you can't say Wancho's a more consistent shooter because because Malik shot the ball great this preseason. And I think you just trust Malik more on the defensive end of the floor. Wancho, for how well he played that first game, made a lot of defensive mistakes that second game. I remember distinctly that backdoor he got beat on in, I think, the left corner where uh, I forget who it was, but somebody just beat him on you know a basic backdoor cut. It's just stuff like that that the Nuggets don't want to have from Their second unit. So I'd still say it's an uphill battle for Wancho to get minutes consistently this year. I hope he does though. I want to see what he can do if he does get some consistent minutes from game to game. But it's going to be tough. He's got a lot of guys that he's competing with. The other big takeaway from preseason, in my mind, is definitely Monte Morris. And look, we don't know when Isaiah Thomas is coming back. From what I can tell, I don't think he's very close to coming back. So. I would predict that the Nuggets probably enter the season, enter the regular season with Monte Morris as their backup point guard. And what he's done over the first two preseason games, I think personally that he showed that he can probably handle that role pretty well. Oh, yeah. No question about it. I mean,
1: this is what we expected out of Monte Morris. I mean, last year, he balled out in the G League. He did everything the Nuggets asked of him at Summer League. He's just a low-mistake player. He's such a smart player. There was a, a pick-and-roll he had with Jokic in that in that second preseason game early in the first quarter, and Monte's patience and his savvy were really on display. It was at the 11-minute mark if you want to go back and watch it, but just watch Monte in the pick-and-roll and how he knows when to kind of pause and, and hit the seam and manipulate the defense and all that. It's just really beautiful to watch. I mean, he's clearly... A guy who's like, the first time he stepped out on the basketball court, the guys just gave him the ball and said, okay, yeah, you're going to run things. I mean, he just has an intuitive sense of where all the pieces are and how they move with each other.
0: That's a great point. He's so good at doing things when it comes to setting his guys up for open shots, playing out of the pick and roll, knowing how to play angles, just doing a lot of things that maybe they don't result in an assist or a basket because maybe he's picking up a hockey assist or you know, maybe he's just setting up the offense. But he, he gets guys open shots, he knows where to be, he, he knows how to run his unit. And the one thing that everybody says about Monte Morris, if you ask players, if you ask coaches, if you guys who are if you ask guys who are privy to watching Nuggets practices and scrimmages, he never makes mistakes. That's what Will Barton will say, that's what Michael Malone will say. And that's such a valuable characteristic to have and quality to have near backup point guard. You need somebody who's not going to make any mistakes, especially on a team like the Nuggets with tons of offensive firepower. You just need somebody who's going to put his guys in the right position to succeed. And that's what Monte Morris does. So I definitely feel like the Nuggets are confident with him at backup point guard. I feel confident that they think they can play him 15 to 20 minutes a night easily on the defensive end is where he's really going to have to work. He's not the biggest guy. He's like 170 pounds. He really has to get up into his uh, the guy he was playing against to slow him down. He's been picking up full court, just like he did at Summer League, to try to kind of change up the game flow a little bit. He's going to have to do stuff like that on the defensive end. But, yeah, he's been impressive. Yeah, and the other
1: thing I would kind of continue to monitor with Monte I I'm curious to see how he's going to finish at the rim over a 10, 15, 20 game sample size at the NBA level because that really impressed me at Summer League his ability to finish at at the rim out of the pick and roll and just get into the cup with either hand. And I'm curious to see if that's going to continue when the defenders are just a little more a little bigger, a little more athletic. I mean, even even that tiny difference can you know, really a bother guy when he's just six foot two and it isn't exactly like Dennis Smith junior leaper out of the gym or something like that.
0: I'll also be really interested to watch how he shoots the ball over the rest of the preseason. His shot's been something he's been working on all summer. Wrote about at Summer League how he made some changes to his shooting form to take his guide hand out of his shot a little bit so his release is a bit smoother and it's tough for a 23-year-old guy who's been shooting the ball a certain way his whole life to change it. But you know that was a five-month project that started on May 1st. And it seems like he's very comfortable with that now. So I'll be monitoring how he shoots it from three, how he shoots it from mid-range, because he's probably going to get a lot of those open mid-range jumpers coming off pick and rolls and stuff when guys are going to say hug to Denver's three-point shooters, and and he's going to have to convert on those for sure. Let's go ahead and take another break. We'll be right back here on the BSN Nuggets podcast.
2: Many of you listen to these BSN Denver podcasts every day, and we appreciate that. We also want you to know that there's even more access at bsndenver.com. On the website, you'll find exclusive interviews, feature stories, locker room audio, film breakdowns, live game content, and game grades, where we grade every player after every game using our proprietary grading metric for each sport. Nobody covers Denver sports like BSN Denver. Go to bsndenver.com and use promo code PODCAST to get a one-year membership for only $29.99. That comes out to $249 per month, half of what our monthly package costs. That's promo code PODCAST for a $29.99 annual pass, giving you a 50% discount. BSN Denver is sports coverage for diehard fans. Back here on the
0: BSN Nuggets podcast, Wednesday edition of the show. Before we jump into this next segment, and we've got some more thoughts here on specifically the Tuesday night game that the Nuggets won 113, 111. Got to tell you guys about Total Beverage because right now there's a really awesome deal going on for BSN listeners. You probably already know that Total Beverage has the most liquor in Colorado at the best prices in Colorado. But I don't know if you're aware that they're now delivering to anywhere in the North Metro area from Wheat Ridge to Erie. So if you download the Total Beverage app right now and use promo code BSN10, you're going to get $10 off your order. That's right. Promo code BSN10 on the Total Beverage app. you Get $10 off your next delivery order. So make sure to check them out, Total Beverage. And also, if you have questions for the show, got some piling up on the Total Beverage fan hotline over the last couple days. I'm saving those for Thursday's show, though. And If you have questions, haven't called into the hotline in a while, or have maybe another question that's popped up over the last day or so, don't hesitate to give the Total Beverage Fan Hotline a call. 1-800-BSN-8394 is the number. 1-800-BSN-8394. Leave your name. Leave where you're calling from. Leave a question for us. We'll answer it. We'll play it on the show. We'll give you our take. The Total Beverage Fan Hotline, 1-800-BSN-8394. That's 1-800-BSN-8394. Again, if you've called in over the last day or so, I will get to those on Thursday. Kind of an all-encompassing observation I had from Tuesday's game was the Nuggets look tired. And looking at this road trip they were on... They've been on the road for eight days You know, b- before that game on Tuesday. They looked like they had been on the road for eight days. They looked tired, and I guess that was kind of as expected. I, I think if you know we were here just talking about how we thought that game was going to go, you probably could have anticipated or predicted Nuggets would come out a bit sloppy. Maybe both teams come out a bit sloppy, a lot of turnovers, a lot of missed shots, and that's definitely what we saw. So I wasn't too surprised that the game was sloppy. I I was a little surprised it was, like, borderline unwatchable. Uh, I'm sitting in my seat. Um, I'm glad I had the Rockies game to distract me.
1: Yeah, I was uh, flipping back and forth between the two games um, here at home in Denver
0: and luckily caught Tony Walters' single right up the middle. In, In the words of Mike Malone, congratulations to the Colorado Rockies. Did you guys tell him, like, the score? Was he prompted or did he just already know? He must have already known. We did not say anything. Um... It was funny because the Rockies game ended just as the Nuggets game ended. Again, as I was saying at the top of the show, the Nuggets were down this whole game against the Lakers on Tuesday night. Somehow they got themselves back in it by Beasley and uh, Mason Plumley played a big role in that, and Trey Lyles. They get themselves back in the game. And again, it's such a hilarious scenario in preseason because. By the end of the game, in a close game, you don't have any of your regulars out there. The Lakers are trotting out like Isaac Bonga, Joel Berry, Travis Ware, and Avika Zubac and Zvi Mikhailuk. The Nuggets have their whole bench out there with Thomas Welsh and Donald Sloan, who actually played pretty well in this game. Trey Lyles out there, too. Tyler Lydon. And both coaches want to win so badly, except they're doing it with guys, especially in the Lakers' sense, who are ice cold and who have never played throughout the whole game. So... It's just a hilarious dynamic. But both those games wrapped up at like the exact same time. And we did not prompt Michael Malone. I'm sure somebody in the locker room told him. He comes out, and he's asked for his just first thoughts on the game, and he says, go Rockies. It was a great moment. Well, Mike great Malone, moment in Denver sports.
1: That is great. Mike Malone looked uh, less than pleased just watching the um – the TV screen at certain points in that game. And the Nuggets just looked sloppy. It was understandable. But I was praying to God in heaven that that game was not going to go into overtime. Oh, my God. Like, if you're if you're down two oh, in a man. preseason game, you just got to tell your player, just shoot a three. Do not attempt a two. We're either winning or we're losing and going home. But we're not freaking playing five extra minutes in the preseason.
0: Yeah, or you got to do the Dave Yeager, just drop a play for like a three-point shot from, I don't know, uh, Mason Plumlee, oh, <laughs> just wow. to just to like uh, not win, but
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I would I would probably just like have cleared out for Svee or something like that. Like, all right,
0: everybody, plant yourself in the corner. SV's going one on one, and he's taking a three. I call it the Dave Yeager because he's probably been asked to tank a lot of games over the last <laughs> four or five years. But I do like how cognizant Michael Malone is of the Rockies. He really likes Bud Black, the Rockies manager. I mean, who doesn't? He went to... Well, a lot of the Rockies fans over the course of this year, apparently. Fools. <laughs> but uh, he went to a Rockies game, and he like met with Bud Black, and those two talked. I think those guys have a good little relationship. It's cool.
1: Bud Black is so freaking
0: smart. Like, He's a great manager. Anytime
1: I've ever been in the scrums there, like the way he just controls the conversations and subtly needles members of the media... I think Bud Black is like might be a genius. Like he could run for office
0: and probably win. Not like is he Republican or Democrat? Don't answer that. Um, moving on. Anything else that we've got from these two games? Uh, Tory Craig moved into the starting lineup for both these games. Obviously not used to playing with the starters. This was something Monte Morris told me after Tuesday's game. Moves into the starting lineup, but. He hasn't really played a ton of minutes at practice and obviously in games with Jokic, with Paul, with Will. So that's kind of an adjustment period, getting on the same page with those guys. And yeah, Torrey obviously hasn't played ga- a lot of minutes with Paul and Jokic and Barton in the same kind of capacity. So 2-9 from the field on Tuesday for Torrey, 1-5 from three. Hasn't shot the ball great over these two games. Uh, 0-1 from three in that first game one of five from three in the second game. Be interesting to see him bounce back here on Friday, I assume. And the 22 minutes a game, curious about your take on this. That's probably like around what he needs to be playing during the regular season, I'd say. The minutes that he's been logging, although he's been with the starters, it's probably what we should expect to see him when the games start to matter.
1: Yeah, somewhere, something like 20 minutes a night feels about right for him. Um, Torrey Craig said at media day, when pressed by Chris Marlowe, his goal is to shoot 39% from three-point land this year. You know, he was a pretty good shooter in the G League on a high number of attempts. I mean, he was a high 30s shooter in the G League, and he took more than six threes a game. Um, He was a pretty good three-point shooter over in Australia. You know, he just hasn't played that many minutes at the NBA level yet, but... That stroke hasn't translated yet, and, it, you know, Torrey Craig just needs to be a respectable three-point shooter this this year because we know he's going to bring in the defensive end. We know he's going to hit the glass like a madman. He's a pretty good cutter. He's already got that part of the game figured out. You know, he understands how to play off Jokic really well. But, yeah, he didn't shoot the ball very well in either of these preseason games. I mean, he only took two shots in the first one, one, one for two, and, and then was two for nine in game number two, but yeah, I mean, I think Tory is going to be a consistent part of the rotation all year just because of the hustle, the grit, the um, effort he's going to bring to the table, but got to become a little more consistent three point shooter.
0: Oh, yeah. We know how highly Michael Malone thinks of him by him elevating Tory into the starting lineup. Like he could have gone with Malik Beasley, but sure enough, it was Tory Craig. Can we close by talking about how athletic Mason Plumlee is? Dude, the patron saint of the reverse dunk.
1: Unbelievable.
0: He had, what, three of them that second game? I was sitting next to a Western Conference scout at Staples Center Tuesday night. I turned him on to the Mason Plumlee reverse dunk. He wasn't aware of it. Now he's aware. Was he writing it down in his notes? Uh, I'm not sure he got that in in his... uh, chart. <laughs> Mason
1: Plumley 11 for 11 from the field in that second preseason game. Uh, did you know Mason Plumley could go shoot 11 times and make all of them? If they're all dunks, he sure yeah. can.
0: Yeah. And if, especially if they're all reverse dunks. He looks great, man.
1: I mean, he was moving around really well out there. F- finished. You know, he's a pretty good roller and finisher when someone lobs it up to him. He doesn't always like throw down a powerful dunk. Like sometimes he just throws it into the into the basket when he's like over it, but <laughs> that was a gr- great description right there. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about though, like the Dwight Howard and the dunk contest. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. So the Carmelo
0: Anthony dunk. Yeah, you know?
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah. Yeah. So Mason Plumlee looked great, man, and I kind of wonder how much the the core injury that he was dealing with last year was affecting him because he he looked just a lot more springy and athletic um, in these two games
0: than I can remember last year. Yeah, I think it definitely affected him last year. And he looks more athletic now than he did a year ago. I'm pretty sure he almost hit his head on the rim, one alley-oop attempt in the first half, coming down towards where the Nuggets media was sitting on one side of the basket. I forget who threw it up. It might have been Monte, but... I. Swear to God, he almost hit his head on the rim. Do they still do sports sciences on ESPN? Is that a retired segment? Yeah, I feel like that's probably something they've moved to like ESPN Plus nowadays. I need a freaking sports science segment on why Mason
1: Plumlee is so good at reverse finishes. Like, are his arms just not shaped like normal people's arms? Does Does he have really flexible shoulders? That's my that's my half-baked theory. Mason Plumey has extremely flexible shoulders.
0: Like he can just rotate his arm like a 360 degrees. Yeah, just like, like it's nothing. Just like take his shoulder out of the socket. It's unbelievable. To reach some of those reverse dunks. I feel like Mason
1: Plumey would have been a hell of a volleyball player too if he'd ever tried it. Yeah, just him
0: like reverse tipping it over the net. <laughs> reverse oh, spike. He looks really athletic though. And... Man, I mean, if he can go 11 of 11 and play, play the Lakers every game, he's going to have a huge year. Hey, if he can go uh, 65% from the free throw line, that's a huge win. Like, I really wonder what Rob Polink and Magic Johnson are thinking right now after the Nuggets bigs just both have really solid games against them, two games in a row. Like, Nikola Jokic has his way with their small ball lineup. Mason Plumlee has a really solid two games in a row. Do they overreact at all? Because I know if I'd be running the Lakers... Well, if I was running the Lakers, I wouldn't have put this team together in the first place. But if I had put this team together, I'd be a little concerned. Vail McGee should be playing, at most, about 10 minutes a game. Partly because he has asthma and can't (laughs) physically play more than 20 minutes a game. Like That's a real thing if you ask people that covered the Warriors last year. I think Steve Kerr wanted to play him more, but physically couldn't because of JaVel's asthma. JaVale McGee is uh, an interesting person, man. What an interesting life he's led. All right. Let's get out of here. I think that's all we got for today's show. On Thursday's show, I'll get to some of your questions from the BSN Denver fan hotline. Also I've had some questions flow in over Twitter over the past couple of days. We'll get to a bunch of those as well. If you have any more questions, hit us up on Twitter or hit us up on the Total Beverage Fan Hotline. one 800 bsn 8394 That's 1-800-BSN-8394. I'll answer them on Thursday's show. Talk with you guys then.